Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. innovators, technology wizards, and branding maestros to another groundbreaking episode of the Follow Brand Podcast, brought to you by our award-winning team at Five Star BDM. This is your nexus for insights from industry titans right at the crossroads of healthcare, branding, marketing, and the relentless march of technological innovation. I'm Grant McGall, your guide on this enlightening journey where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Today, we're delighted to welcome a guest who's an architect of words, a maestro of language, and who's had a transformative influence on the realm of business writing. He's trained the best at powerhouses like The Economist and has been instrumental in Ernst and Young doubling their tender win rate. As the CEO and founder of Write for Results and author of the game changer, Radica, his imprint on the world of professional writing is indelible. Listeners, fasten your seatbelt for a thought-provoking conversation with the writing guy himself, Scott Kaiser, all the way from London, England. In this episode, we're about to journey into the intriguing landscape where language meets artificial intelligence. We'll probe into how AI is turning the tables in the copywriting industry, with Scott elucidating his firsthand experiences and his forward-thinking vision. AI, as we all know, is a game changer, and its impacts are far-reaching, including in the art of writing. We'll dive into how AI tools are turbocharging creativity and precision targeting content to resonate with audiences like never before. We will scrutinize its role in persuasive writing, its influence on winning bids, and its transformational power on storytelling in the age of digitalization. Whether you're a healthcare leader, a tech enthusiast, a branding expert, or an expert writer, this dialogue promises to be an eye-opener. So let's dive into the future of writing with Scott Kaiser, the writing guy of the award-winning Follow the Brand podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. 
Welcome, everyone, to the Bottle Brand Podcast. We're going to take this show all the way across the pond. You know, I'm in Miami, Florida. I love people that are in the London, England area. This is something about London that, that, that just speaks volumes. Uh, it, it's very historic. There's a lot of good, intelligent, knowledgeable people there. And that is where the English language started. You know, for the most part, as far as I know, I know there's the derivative lag and we can get into all the semantics and all that type of thing. But obviously, you know, being an American, we we always associate England as the as the the, the mother tongue of, of, of English. And so today we're going to talk to an industry expert who's been writing for a living for 20 plus years. And we're going to talk about some things about why he got into the industry and where he sees the industry changing now with this new artificial intelligence that's come on the scene. What does that look like for him? Where does he see it go? Because I've seen a lot of creators, people that have been in, in, in the industry for a while, whether it's been in, in, in marketing or copywriting, and they're kind of like, you know, they're, they're, they're being jostled. So we want to see where, where Scott looks at this and have a good discussion for our listeners. So Scott, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, thanks. Thanks, Grant. And thanks for having me on the show. So um, my name's Scott Keyser, and I, I do specify that because my name is K-E-Y-S-E-R. And a lot of people say Scott Kaiser, but it's actually Keyser. And for the last few years, uh, I've called myself the writing guy because I am. And um, I've had a lifelong love affair with the English language, uh, our mother tongue, as you quite rightly refer to it, since the age of, well, in fact, it's probably since the age of eight. Curiously, I mean, I'll say more about myself in a moment, but literally just earlier this week, a lovely lady called Caroline, who uh, I was at primary school with in London and who, sadly, I have to admit, I teased mercilessly uh, when we were kids together. She was going through her old school reports and she came across the story that I'd written at the age of eight called I Am a Shoe, where I imagined being a piece of leather stitched into, to, you know, to uh, turn into a sandal, which was then bought by a mother and her son. And uh, probably deeply Freudian, and and the story says, "Ooh, ouch! I'm being I'm being sewn and stitched by nasty old factory men." <laughs> and that was called "I Am a Shoe." But anyway, that's a so you know you I I could claim to have been interested in, in writing since the age of eight. But essentially, what I do as as an adult now, um, I work mainly in professional services. So I work with lawyers, accountants, engineers, consultants, architects, even scientists. And the thing about professional services is that everyone writes, but not everyone's a writer. So their writing lets them down. What I do with the help of my rhetorica writing system is I help them to find their voice, write human with a capital H, and get the results they want from the words that they write, whether that's a bid, a blog, or a book. In other words, to write with impact. And that's what I've done, as you quite rightly said, Grant, for 20 years. Now, this is an interesting subject. The reason I say that, because I, I, I'm not, I'm definitely not on a level of 
as you are, especially when it comes to writing. But I like some things that I've learned about communication and human language. Mm. And one thing I learned was that humans don't really think in words. They think in pictures. Mm -hmm. And what you just said about the shoe story, Mm. you start to get the imagery and what you, you see you know, the, the story unfolding in your mind's eye, mm. what you're really seeing is a movie that you're creating and you're sure. seeing it the way that you're seeing it. So you have to write in a certain way that you see these nuances. So I know that like in the Japanese language mm. and how they use, you know, their, their language, it's really pictographs. Mm. I think mm-hmm. other languages are like that as well. I don't know if they're Arabic languages like that, but they're not really words like sounds mm. like what you have in language in our language like just rightly said you had Kaiser yeah so say Kaiser but we all know like in the German world that's K-A-I-S-E-R that's right I mean it means emperor yeah <laughs> and then there you go with, yeah. with, with, with an explanation emperor but yeah. here's the deal right when you say emperor I have an immediate image in my mind of what that looks like. I see a stately person, you know, that's robe maybe, maybe has a, you know, some kind of crown on his head and he's mm. with, a, with, a, with, a, with a garland, a, a wreath of garlands around All his head. All yeah. of that. Yeah. But when you yeah. say, you know, Kieser, you're like, I, mm. I'm not sure what I see. Because yeah. you don't know the meaning or the picture behind the word, so you need more explanation. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about your rhetorica, what have you found that you find as a key to your expertise hmm. when it comes to creating impact with writing? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll answer that in a moment. But um, Grant, I hope you don't mind. Can I, can I just pick you up on what you said about the visual nature of writing? Because yeah, for sure. it, is, it is actually part of my system, uh, but it, it's very interesting. So just to explain to you and your listeners that um, in my writing training, I talk a lot about register. Now, register is a musical term, but in writing, it's a very simple scale of the formality of your writing. So up at the top, we have formal language. At the bottom, we have slang. And in the middle, we have something which we call plain English. Now, the, the great thing about plain English, and, and maybe it's easier if I, if I give you an example. So if we use the word money that we're obviously all familiar with in my workshop, and I say, right, so I, I put up a picture of the register on the, on the board or whatever on the screen, and I say, give me some synonyms for the word money. And words come up like, um, and again, yeah, I'm going to be showing you some, some English uh, slang here, dosh. Dough, I think you, you guys talk about dough, bucks, uh, spondulics, wonga, cheddar, bag, they're all slang. And you're laughing. So slang evokes a, an emotive reaction in people, which is very, very important. But if, it, you know, and, and also people will say remuneration or emolument or consideration or settlement or liquidity. So those are obviously much more formal words. And the words that are in the middle are words like cash, wages, and pay. 
And just to pick up on your point about visual language, you're absolutely right. The really powerful language sits in the middle in plain English, and it is visual because I don't know about you, but every time I see, read, or hear the word cash, yeah. a bit like you with emperor, I get, I get a mental image in my head of a whole pile of coins and, note, and notes spilling out across the table in front of me. And that's really powerful language because it's visual and is visceral. Whereas, you know, when we read remuneration or consideration or emolument, those are abstractions. There's no mental image attached to those words. And therefore, they're more, they demand more processing power on the part of the reader. And the harder we make our reader work, the likelier we are to lose them. So you're absolutely right. Visual language is very, very important in writing with impact. I love that. I yeah. love that, man. Now, we, you know, we're getting deeper into this world, right? We, I call mm. it, we're getting, you know, on plane, like you're in a boat, you're going on a boat, and then you just hit the throttle, mm. then it takes a little bit, and then the, end, the boat actually gets on plane, is what we call it. Mm. We're on plane right now. <laughs> you're starting to, I'm starting to even understand, because I played with the tool, mm. uh, uh, open AI and chat, mm. UT, right? Play with it. I started yeah. to see some things, you know what? I can get, copy pretty quickly mm-hmm. but i've yeah. also noticed that it's very it's very analytical it's very to me it's very two-dimensional mm-hmm. it's very exacting but not mm-hmm. not human like what you said mm-hmm. earlier about human like mm-hmm. conversation yeah sure seeing these difference these differences with these engines yeah well, well interestingly grant i've literally just before coming on the call i was kind of having a play around with chat gpc and bard which is google's version of of, of open ai and um i'm just i'm just looking to uh, to my notes on my on my board here and um Basically, I gave both ChatGPT and Bard a brief to write an article about the difference between the active voice and the passive voice, which is a, which is a grammatical construction in the English language that flummoxes a lot of people. And, and in my workshop, I kind of make a bit of a joke. It's as grammatical as I get. Um, but it's important because a lot of B2B writing, business-to-business writing is awash with the passive voice. And the trouble with the passive voice is it's very, it can render your writing very formal and it can push the reader away. That's what formality does. It tends to alienate the reader. And therefore, if you as a, as a writer, if you're, and this is the case with most people that I train, if you're unconsciously using the passive voice, uh, which as I say is very, very common, then you you run the risk of alienating your reader and not engaging them. You push them away. And so most of our writing should be in the active voice, subject, verb, object. But there are a few occasions where it serves us to write in the passive voice. So, you know, and what I did was I used, um, I practiced, you know, doing this with Bard and ChatGPT. And I'm just looking at the the versions that it kind of spat out at me. I mean, on the positive side, it, it came up with something very workable very quickly. Within 20, 30 seconds, it gave me a very workable first draft. But you're absolutely right when you say, Grant, that it's 
when I read it, and I read it out loud as well, so I heard how it would sound to the reader, it does sound, you know, and there's no pun intended, it does sound a bit robotic and a little bit functional, very, very competent and adequate, but there's no, there's no personality in there. And, and, and maybe this is the thing. I mean, I've said for years, actually, that the, for me, the personality is the missing link in most business writing. Because I don't know whether you agree with me, Grant, but most business writing is, is fearsomely dull. It's really dull. Oh, I agree. I, I, <laughs> I agree here because it's horrible. I mean, yeah, it's painful. To have to- it really is. It's painful. And, and, you know, the, for me, there are three elements of great writing. Your great content, your content must be relevant and world class. And, and if you're the master in your topic or whatever, if, you know, if you know your topic, it will be. The second element of great, of great writing is clarity. So it needs to be so clear that your reader gets it in one go. And then the missing link, and, and chat GPC and AI can do content, can do clarity, but they can't yet do personality. And for me, the third dimension, the missing link is personality. The human, the human vibe, the human personality, a bit of humor, a bit of levity, a more conversational tone of voice. That's what's missing at the moment from this stuff. But listen, I think it's only a matter of time before they they inject that in, into this. Uh, you know, so I, I may well be out of a job. <laughs> well, I, I still think, and because I'm in technology, I understand bits and bytes. I know how pretty much it works, and it could you could simulate decision. Trees and mm-hmm. have it listen to code as audio and then kind of reflect that back and make a selection mm-hmm. based on algorithms of what is the best response mm-hmm. in this case. Can you inject humor? Mm-hmm. I, I, I talked to my Alexa up now and she tries to inject humor, but it's awful. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> no, that's not funny. And yeah. like, like you just laugh. You just yeah. laugh. I don't yeah. know how you simulate a real party laugh in an AI engine yet. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, make it that realistic. Okay, so so I tell you what you can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be profoundly worried if your Alexa started guffawing in the corner at something you'd said. I mean, I, that would be that would be really kind of like something about a horror movie. Um, but but just getting back to ChatGPT and, and writing, the I don't know yet that the algorithm will be able to inject humour, but they will certainly, and, and I'm sure they can do it. No, I just haven't tested it, but I'm I'm sure that they can reproduce a more conversational tone of voice. And there are two ways of doing that. Yeah. One is by simply using the, 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 the personal words, you and your, rather than saying it is important that the passive voice is used, you, it could just say, um, it would really, it would be a great idea if you, you, if you use the passive voice more, more often than you are at the moment. That's, 
So making the reader feel that, that you are speaking to them and only them. And then the other thing you can do to conversationalize your writing is use more contractions. So contraction is a slamming together of two words. So rather than saying, I have, you say, I've. Rather than saying, we would, you'd say, we'd, with the apostrophe. Rather than saying, you will, you say, you'll, you know, with the apostrophe. Those are contractions. And that's a very simple, it's like a, it's a, bit, it's like a bit of a cheat, really. It's like a parlor trick, but it will make your writing sound more conversationally. It automatically has that effect. Whether that's done by a human or by a robot, it doesn't matter. It will, it will sound the same. So that's one way of injecting it. All of this is, is and, and see, with an AI engine, it has to be trained. Hmm. So just like a child, think about that, hmm. or anyone yeah. else, you have to learn. You learn from someone else. Hmm. Who is training the AI engine? So if hmm. it's a Scott Keezer training, the AI. Well, I wish. Maybe that's my next incarnation, you know. <laughs> next, time you, next time you interview me, Grant, I'll be wearing, you know, spectacles and a white lab coat. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. You could, because it has to learn, like, Mm. if you learn Japanese, like, let's just say I went to school and I learned Japanese, Mm. and, but... I don't live in Japan. Mm. I understand the, you know, how to create a a, a tangible language or or a understandable under uh, language mm. from Japanese, and I can speak it from that tone, right? And I learned this mm. even when I learned French back when I was in 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 high school. Mm. They were telling me, "Well, you're not learning." You know, conversational French. Mm, yeah. You're learning mm. textbook French. And what does yeah. that mean? That means if you go on the street in Paris mm. and start talking mm. what I just taught you, they're going to mm. all be looking at you really funny. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you make sense, but yeah. you, sound, you sound, you don't mm. sound right. And I think that's where AI kind of is. Mm. Yeah, you're making sense. Mm. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But it's not fluent. It's not, it's not, um, like I said, that human-like quality or that real-time understanding. Like, I'm going to give you this, for instance. You probably appreciate this. One of the most read books in the entire world is the King James Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So when you read the Bible, you get into the um, New Testament. It's really the same story told 
from you know different people. Mm. The same event, mm. same circumstance, but it's told from different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know how you get an AI to say, you know, can you give the same, you know, look at here, given that input, mm. can you tell it in five different ways with mm. clarity? Well, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm not well-versed enough in AI to be able to answer that, but but it's not... It's not beyond the realm of possibility. I'm, I'm sure I, do, I, I don't have a definitive kind of answer on that. Um, it, I suppose just looking actually at, uh, I'm just looking at the, the notes that I made from the, the experiment that I, that I did this afternoon before I jumped on the call with you. And, and maybe this will be of interest as well to your listeners, because at the moment, AI can produce something that makes sense, uh, that is readable. In, in fact, the, the piece that it produced for me on the difference between the active and the passive voice scores readability of 80%, 80%. But ironically, even though it's advocating, the article is advocating use of the active voice, more than a third of its sentences are in the passive voice. So it's not modeling its own message, which is sort of ironic and paradoxical. So it hasn't yet learned enough about this particular subject to say, I'm recommending use of the active voice, but therefore it doesn't make sense for me to be writing predominantly in the passive voice. <laughs> it hasn't got that measure of sort of self-reflection yet. But, uh-huh. but you know, I'm sure that that's not, we're not a million miles away, uh, away from that. I, no, but to simulate imagination is what we're getting into. Mm. Imagination, and I remember I put in some prompts into ChatGPT, and it basically said, what I have is a collection of data. I mm. don't create new data, and that's really what we're asking. Can mm. you take this and create new data? Mm. Only if that data is, if it can, it can move things around possibly, Mm, yeah, come up with a uh, with a different rendition. Mm. It's a different rendition of the same data. That's well, it, it, would, it would be interesting. It would be interesting if we to take your Bible example of the New Testament. If and, and, and maybe I'll have a go at doing this. If um, if we input, say the 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 gospel according to to Matthew or Mark or whoever into an AI machine, into OpenAI, and then we asked it to recount that story from different perspectives, from the perspective of Luke or Mark or, or whoever, or, you know, and, and, and see what it did with it. It would be fascinating. Really I would fascinating. see what that would look yeah, and see. We might even get lenses into the human uh, brain really deeper. Mm-hmm. I, I would ask it not only that. I would say, how would a Muslim person interpret these passages? Mm-hmm. Well, how somebody that is Buddhist would interpret these passages? Mm-hmm. Someone that doesn't have any religious belief mm-hmm. at all, sure. and then be like, and I, you know, that. But, but it has to have the knowledge again. Mm-hmm. It yeah. create, if if it's in a database, it mm-hmm. can maybe 
you know, make some interpretations and kind of move yeah. things around, but it's a stretch. <laughs> but but, but that, that's a really interesting, that you're posing a really interesting idea there, Grant, because let, let's just assume the, the, the chat GPT or whatever, the engine uh, had had received the input of the whole of the Quran, the whole of the Bible, the whole of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, um, and and all the other major, you know, religious scriptural texts around the world, would it be possible to combine those and and produce, as you say, a Buddhist view on the gospel according to John or Mark or you know Matthew or Luke or whoever, and vice versa, the Christian view of the Quran? Or I mean, you know, we're getting into difficult territory there as well, you know. Yeah. Well, it also rid ourselves of certain biases because mm-hmm. you begin to say, well, the machine of itself, hopefully you've trained it enough so it's not inherently mm-hmm. has a bias. This is one of the problems mm-hmm. that AI has because humans are are programming it. But you yeah. try to constantly, intentionally try to remove as much bias as you can. Mm-hmm. But then you can get some clarity of thought. Like Then you start to see maybe we're not as different as we appear mm-hmm. to be. Sure. And these differences are slight, or it's just it's your point of view mm. that is different. Because that's like to say, well, is the gospel of Matthew, you know, better or worse than the gospel mm. of Luke? They're both talking yeah. about very similar things, mm. sure. but they all had unique experiences mm. Mm. with those things. So that doesn't yeah. discount that it's wrong or right. It's just your mm. unique experience. So it, I mm. think when we were talking earlier, we talked about wall. Let's not talk about replacement of human beings with mm. AI. Let's mm. talk about augmentation. Let's talk mm. about how can we get better as mm. a human species? How can yeah. how can AI actually make what you do? Mm. You're already you have a great program. You've been doing it sure. for a long time. You've helped a lot of businesses to write with more personality. Mm. How can you then take this and make it either for you to do it better? maybe faster, quicker, better. How do you see that rolling out? Yeah, no, I, you know, you raise a really interesting point there because, I, I, you know, again, I've been thinking about this knowing that you and I are going to speak today, and um, which, was, which was a great prompt. Um, you know, I was thinking that there is a temptation for people who struggle to write already. There is a temptation that AI will keep them de-skilled so they they might assume that because AI is going to do it for them, they don't need to become good writers themselves. But the point I would make here, and of course, you know, your, some of your listeners may be thinking, well, Scott, of course he would say this, wouldn't he? But the point I would make is that when I when I received the first draft from Bard, well, either Bard, well, both Bard and ChatGPT, I read. And it got me to 75% of a really, really good version, which is already something. But it was only my skill as a writer that enabled me to take it to 100%. So if you want to use AI to augment your writing, you already, ideally, you already need to have mastered or be good at writing in order to know what levers to pull in order to take it from 75 to 100%. So we still need to improve as writers and be good writers and, and not, not 
maintain a sort of a condition of being de-skilled, if that makes sense, in order to to use AI to its maximum a power and advantage. Is that does that make sense? A hundred percent. Like yeah. we've been we've been surrounded by these tools, and we just didn't re- really realize it mm. as much as we have. We've been utilizing voicemail. We've been utilizing you know Google Voice for Maps now. Uh, and understanding that it's not going to be exact. This is the thing I learned a lot in information technology. Information technology is not an exact science. It's very, very good at what it can do when it's doing it, but it's not always exact for a lot of different parameters. Uh, uh, It can do one plus one equal two. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is sometimes getting from one to one to two because the technical factors don't always add up. Mm-hmm. So you have to have human oversight mm-hmm. in a yeah. lot of these uh, technologies, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I want to go back to your point. I, I love this application called Grammarly. Grammarly is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, so I'm writing things out. I write the text. I write what I want to say. It then gives me suggestions on how I can say it better mm-hmm. or can add punctuation. And yeah. what I found is that as the more I do that, the better I'm getting at doing it myself. Mm, sure. It's almost like a teacher. It's almost like mm. I'm an English teacher right yeah. there with me that's mm. helping me. And so I don't feel like it wrote it. <laughs> yeah, sure. You yeah. Know, but I do that's a very good it. example, actually. Yeah. 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 So that it's improving your your ability as a writer. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's really way that whole fear factor. People have this fear of artificial. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back a long way that somewhere down the line, someone thought, you know, our own creations would then outcreate us and disappoint mm. us. Mm. And I think that's a it's it's in our imagination mm. uh, to sure. a certain degree. But here's the here's what I look at it as is that I believe that life is asking us to evolve. Mm. Like, all right, you know, you can gain great information now. But do you have great knowledge? Mm. Or, or even wisdom. And there you go. Yeah. From knowledge, you get wisdom. Yeah. So just yeah. because you have a, we've been swimming in a, in a sea of information mm. since the internet age of, you know, 20 plus years. You can get mm. median information. Well, mm. I said, well, the libraries are out of business. Mm. You know, <laughs> obviously, they're still still around. Yeah. You know, they're probably not doing it exactly the same as they did it before. Mm. Change sure. is, you know, it, it happens. Evelyn, you can't hold on to time. Time mm. constantly moving and evolving mm. and changing. So if we can step back and not look at it like it's replacing me, mm. but sure. how can it how can it help me? How can it augment me? How can I do things fast? How can I automate things? One thing's Again, I go back to my analogy. It's not analogy. Things that I know in information technology, what it's very, very good at is really two to three things. That is collapsing the windows of time. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. And effective communication. Very, very good with technology. The other third thing is automation. Anything that you do it very repetitively mm-hmm. sure. all the time and it's repetitive yeah. and it's predictable, then you can use a technology to automate that whole process. Mm, sure. But even yeah. outside of that, it becomes different. What's your mm. take on that? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that 
And I like what you say about, um, I think we need to let go of the fear of AI out-creating us because we are first and foremost creators. We are create the human brain or the human mind. Consciousness is incredibly creative. And, and, and you're, you're making me think of something else, Grant. And I kind of share this with you with a little bit of trepidation, which is that, and, and I hope you and your listeners won't think me too woo-woo or too new age, but the longer I'm in this business of writing, the more I believe that we are capable of imbuing our words with energy and intention such that they penetrate the heart and the mind of our reader. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've already thought, I've always thought that words and particularly ideas are, mini, are little packets of energy. And just going back to the idea of register, the more formal your language, the less energy there is. Because as you saw, as, you know, when, when I quoted the, the, the slang words, you were laughing. Yeah. The slang words, the, the lower down the register you go, the more emotive, the more, the more energetic the words are. And there's part of me that wonders, it is just a question really, whether we are capable of giving our words a certain spiritual or emotional, in, emotional intention whereby they fly into the heart and the, the, the mind of our reader. And, and in a way, I think that's what poetry does as well, through rhythm, music, cadence, all those sort of meta, the meta aspects of language and the, the more invisible aspects of language in a way. So, you know, if I'm right about that, then, it, we, you know, I'm not sure that a robot or an engine could do that, at least yet. I mean, that would be pretty phenomenal. <laughs> well, what, what I'm hearing you say is life force. Mm. Life force. Yeah. You know, the very first things you read in the, um, in the Bible mm. is, is the word. Mm. Right? You know, from yeah. the word came God, and from the mm. word came all the world. Yeah. Word, that's, that's language. That's mm. power. That's mm. life. Yeah. Life force. And, and I, I was talking to someone just recently. We were talking about the, the metaverse, right, and from a metaverse perspective. Mm -hmm. And metaverse is a virtual world that you can walk into with um, different VR goggles, virtual world goggles, and that type of thing. And it actually transports you into that world. Your consciousness is transported there. You have a new form that you can utilize, and it's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I was telling him, said, you know, we've been doing that for thousands, if not millions of years. That's mm -hmm. called dreaming. We have been dreaming, mm. but we've been dreaming unconsciously. Mm. Sure. If we begin to dream consciously, you begin to understand the creative power mm. that we all have innately within mm. us. Sure. But now we're starting to actually engage with it. And, mm. and I use this analogy, and he really, really got it when I said, Do you know what it takes to truly, absolutely create? A B. Do you know the intricacies mm. to actually manifest mm. a bumblebee mm. in all its facets? Do you know how much intelligence that mm. takes? The 
the, the intrinsic qualities, the mm-hmm. atomic movement, all the way mm-hmm. up to the physical movements, and mm-hmm. and then and then merge that, interoperate that into a mm-hmm. nature ecosystem. Do you understand mm-hmm. how much intelligence mm-hmm. that takes? So we we're really kind of big on ourselves with mm-hmm. our new AI engines and our yeah. new we yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. creation. Like mm-hmm. we got the news. <laughs> I think we're just beginning to understand our potential as beings, and this is a good thing. Sure, no, absolutely. Will you? Will you? You're reminding me of the English poet William Blake, who said, um, "I'll probably slightly misquote it." He was around in the 19th, 18th century. Sorry, and he was a real mystic and a visionary, and he talked about seeing the universe in a grain of sand and eternity in an hour. Uh, and I think he got it. He he got the life force, you know. Yeah. And no. uh, yeah, in fact, he lived and worked not far from where I live in London. Yeah. You are speaking truth. So you are when you're dealing with the written word. You're working with life force. You know the difference between taking you know some text from a business and mm-hmm. you speak life into it. Like mm-hmm. I see what you're yeah. trying to do. Let me yeah. put life into this so it actually communicates to someone else. Sure. And and you know what, just to build on that idea, I mean, I love the way you call it life force. That really resonates with me. In in my workshops, um, I've had some pretty transformational experiences with people, not not me being transformed, but them, where um, I was in Houston, actually, in Texas a few years ago, and working with an oil and gas company and training a whole bunch of Quite, quite rough and ready oil and gas engineers. And there was, there was one guy, um, uh, let's call him, this is not his real name, let's call him, I know, Jim, not his proper name. And um, he was a great big sort of six-foot, five-inch guy sitting in the front row. And in the, in the afternoon of the workshop, I gave them an exercise to do. Having shared my writing system with them, I then set them a writing exercise where – they had to write something from scratch or rewrite something that they'd already produced. And um, so I set them off on the task, and there were about 15 of them in the room. And this guy, Jim, was in the front row, and he was kind of, kind of going bright red and huffing and puffing and sighing, and, and obviously he was struggling. So I just went up to him, and I sat next to him, and I said, um, Jim, you look like you're struggling. Can I help? And he said, you know what, Scott, I just can't get the right words. And I said, well, Jim, what are you trying to say? Just explain it to me as if you were explaining it to your mum or your dad or your sister or your brother or your significant other. And he said, well, Scott, what I really mean is da 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 And it was just perfect and clear and eloquent. And I said, Jim, write that. That's your first draft. That was brilliant. And you know what? He looked to me and he had tears in his eyes. Yeah. Because it was just by me saying that, I had somehow kind of, quote, given him permission to write more as he speaks, to write more, to sound more like Jim. And he turned in a great piece of writing and he left. I mean, he was like, he was like a different person. He gave me a huge hug, almost broke a rib, you know. <laughs> yeah, man, I love how you say, I, I learned something. From that, what you just talked about, and just reminded me of a scene, and I'll never forget this scene because it always helped me 
There was a scene in um, Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. A, a great movie. Great, great, movie. great, great movie, right? Great movie. And there's a scene there where, you know, the uh, Ryan, actually, mm-hmm. uh, Private Ryan, he had lost his brothers. And he was saying, man, I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember my brothers. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, that's because you have to put it in context. Mm-hmm. Think of something that you did together. Mm-hmm. Think of something that, you know, uniquely that, you know, that you worked with. He remembered the barn. He remembered the girl. He remembered. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden his memories came back. And that's, that's something mm-hmm. like when you can speak in your own voice. Yeah. That story is already there. You just have to now unleash it because you've been bound up with so many other, how other people think and feel. And yeah. You got to get your own voice. And, and, and a lot, no, that's absolutely right. That, that's, that is the question that, that unlocks people finding their voice. I just say to them, and I do this every workshop, there is at least one person that comes to me with the same problem. And I just say, well, Jim or Peter or Debbie or Barbara or Sam or whoever, and just say, what are you trying to say? Just just explain it as if you were explaining it to your mom, your dad, your sister. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, they come up with something that's beautiful and simple and clear and eloquent and sounds like them, not some corporate drone, you know. Yeah. And you release that emotion. Some yeah. just for me. Mm. So that, that life force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Well, this has been an amazing talk. I, I want uh, our audience, I'm sure, I got a lot out of this. I know our audience has as well. Let us know, Scott, how, how do we get in touch with you? How do we know more about what you're doing? A little sure. bit more about your program, just so we we understand what it is exactly that you do as a professional. Okay. So um, in no particular order, um, as you might expect, as somebody who calls himself the writing guy, I have written some books. I've written two books, one on how to win more bids, tenders, pitches and proposals, uh, which is called Winner Takes All. uh, And they're both available on Amazon. And my second book is called Rhetorica. uh, That's R-H-E-T-O-R-I-C-A, based on rhetoric, the art of persuasion. And that's essentially what we've been talking about. And that's available on Amazon as well. Um, I'm active on LinkedIn. So if your listeners just Google, uh, not Google, but go into LinkedIn and search for Scott Keyes of the Writing Guy. And that's K-E-Y-S-E-R. They'll find me. And then I have a website as well, which will give them a little bit of information. I'm updating it in the next few months. But that's www.write, as in write a book, for forresults.com. So write for results.com. Well, this has been wonderful, Scott. I thank you very much for it's my a pleasure. Time. It's a deep oh, pleasure, Grant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've enjoyed it as much as you appear to have. <laughs> well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you did. We always like to hear from our, our guests. You, you um, enjoy your 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 opportunity to speak on Paul Brand. And I, I always pride myself in the fact that I knew that everybody has a story. And when I read your story, I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and, and I wanted to, to be able to have this conversation with you because you are an expert in your field of writing and actually communicating with people and having that that bridging that uh, uh, those experiences together. Mm-hmm. So I want to yep. thank you again for being on. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure.
All righty. And all of your audience, they can follow the brand. They can follow the brand. All our episodes are available on the website, yeah. five star okay. BPM. That is B for brand, D for development, and for masters.com. I want to thank Great. you so much for being on the show. Take care. Cheers then. Thanks very much. Bye now.